We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to Pop Torah with Rabbi Iznopf and Olitsky, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Pop Torah, the podcast where we look at Judaism through the lens of pop culture and pop culture through the lens of Judaism. As always, we are your hosts. I am Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. And I'm Rabbi Michael Knopf. And on today's episode, we look at the new Hulu series, The Patient. Mike, tell us about this show. Sure. So The Patient is a new series on FX and Hulu uh, starring Steve Carell as a therapist uh, named Dr. Alan Strauss, uh, who, as we learn in the course of the show, is mourning the recent death of his wife, who is a uh, uh, Cantor, either reform or conservative Cantor, uh, as as we learn, he, uh, Alan has uh, two children, one of whom Ezra um, has uh, become a Baal Tshuva, has become an Orthodox Jew. Um, so there is a, a very Jewy uh, subtext uh, and a, a subplot within the show uh, that becomes. We love Jewy subplots here do, on Pop Torah. Uh, full of delicious Jewiness. Um, uh, uh, a Jewish subplot it, uh, that that becomes actually part of the main plot in meaningful ways as the series go on. But uh, the the big twist to the show is that uh, Dr. Strauss, Steve Carell's character, uh, begins treating a young man that he doesn't know all that well named Sam, played by Domhnall Gleeson, uh, General Na- Huxton. Named, named Gene originally, he thought. Oh, that's right. He goes by a pseudonym originally in the in the series, but eventually yeah, he, he, uh, his real identity as Sam Fortner uh, becomes, uh, becomes known. Uh, he begins treating uh, Sam uh, uh, presumably for some kind of childhood trauma. Uh, but then uh, uh, Dr. Strauss uh, is alarmed to wake up chained to a bed in a basement. And he discovers that this is the basement of uh, his patient who has uh, uh, kidnapped him, uh, imprisoned him in his basement uh, uh, in order to uh, treat him uh, one-on-one. And as Sam then reveals that his name is Sam uh, and that he is in fact a serial killer uh, who uh, uh, in his words, can't stop killing people, can't help but uh, but kill people. Um, and wants uh, Steve Carell wants uh, Dr. Strauss to to fix him to solve this problem. And so the uh, the the show uh, unpacks their dynamic, this really uncomfortable and tense dynamic between uh, Dr. Strauss and Sam. Uh, we meet Sam's mother, who knows full well um, about what her son has been up to um, and wants him to get better, but has this kind of a codependent uh, relationship with him. Uh, and and uh, right now there are eight episodes that have dropped. There are supposed to be 10 in total. We don't know yet what is going to be the fate of uh, either Sam or Dr. Strauss. Uh, and, uh, and that'll be to, to be determined. Um, but uh, this conversation that Jesse and I are going to have um, is going to be uh, filled with spoilers uh, for the eight episodes that have already dropped. So if you don't want to uh, have anything that's been revealed, revealed to you, uh, please uh, pause now, 
go watch the show, come back and join us. Uh, and then of course, uh, uh, we'll, we'll see how it all wraps up over the next few weeks, but let's just start with the show itself. Jesse, how, how are you liking the patient? Listen, if you thought that this was going to be a sort of Michael Scott in the office comedic uh, performance from Steve Carell, you will be uh, disappointed. But Steve Carell is great. There are there are some moments like I know it's supposed to be not a comedic role, uh, dramatic and and thriller, tense, all that. But every time that Steve Carell yells something very loud, I can't help but see him as Michael Scott or sure. as uh, his character in the Forty Year Old Virgin, you know, saying. Uh, uh, Kelly Clarkson. But, but he sounds like every time he yells. But he is not uh, intending to be comedic this this go around. Uh, he is great in in the fear that 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 he expresses. Uh, it is certainly a thriller, and so you have to be willing to sort of sit with this. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen. This tense uh, moment. The, the entire series is really the, the tense moment between Sam and Alan, most of the time sitting in, in the same room face to face. However, you know, I, I can't help that, right. As rabbis, we, we have to address this, the subplot, the subtext of the flashbacks where we see the dynamic of religion and how Judaism plays, uh, out, um, the, the forward had an article uh, a couple of weeks ago that talked about how the patient is one of the most Jewish shows on television. Um, and really because it doesn't uh, acutely address the Judaism, although it talks, it introduces the Kaddish and that sort of thing. And certainly there are more Hebrew and sort of Jewish um, vernacular, right? Insider uh, terminology than in other shows. But what we also find with um, this show is we, we find um, the dynamic between, as you said, Ezra and his parents. The idea that you have a reform cantor, uh, Alan's late wife, Beth, and you have Ezra who in college became more observant, became orthodox, and the tension that you have with families when their choice of observance and their choice of uh, how they celebrate their Judaism is different from generation to generation. And, and for all intents and purposes, I think Beth uh, and Alan saw it as a rejection of what they believe near and dear to them uh, and, and saw that he, everything that they believe to be important or really everything that Beth specifically believed to be important uh, as a rejected. And he was looking for, for something else and they had a hard time accepting that you saw that with the the um tense nature when the sort of shidduch was taking place with ezra uh you saw that when beth was singing dodi lee uh, i believe that was actually a debbie friedman melody of dodi lee uh, at um one of several debbie friedman melodies that make Karesh, it into the series uh, yeah at, at her son's wedding and uh all the so many of the men promptly walk out because of the issue of Kol Isha, because their observance, they don't feel comfortable hearing a woman sing. Uh, so uh, to me, as intense as the, the thriller is between um, Alan being kidnapped by the serial killer and what's going to happen, you have that idea of the dynamic between uh, how different family members observe Judaism differently and how they come to terms with that. Right. What did you, what did you think about that dynamic, Mike? Yeah, you know, it's interesting The the showrunners, Joel Fields and Joe Weisberg, uh, uh, their previous credits uh, included The Americans, which also also a great show with a, a tense 
you know, a tense spy thriller uh, that was in a lot of ways really about families. And here you have a tense psychological thriller um, that's really in a lot of ways about families. And I think that that's really unpacked in, in a lot of ways. I mean, I think you know, it uses the the um, the it uses Judaism as the device to to talk about the um the 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 challenging family dynamics that that Alan and uh his son and his wife had his wife's recent uh death um but it also parallels that with the dynamic between Sam and his mother um and uh and Sam has a really uh loving and affectionate relationship to to his mother uh had a really painful relationship with his with his uh father who's no longer in the picture I, I maybe is dead um and the the mother clearly does not agree with Sam's uh life choices but has a lot of uh compassion for him and a lot of understanding and, and a lot of desire for him to get better and you parallel that with um with 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 Alan's character that um that it has all this alienation from uh from his own son his son has alienation from him his daughter is in the is in the picture too his daughter uh has followed in her father's footsteps but is really um not a, a major part of his um psycho of Alan's psychological turmoil here so i you know it, there was a lot in the dynamics of you know uh, of talking about Judaism in the way that they did that that hit home for me i grew up in um and not particularly observant uh, Jewish household, uh, and uh, became uh, much more in, involved uh, and passionate uh, uh, Jewishly uh, than, um, than than really either of my parents, but but especially my my father. Um, and so I can I, there was a lot of uh, transference that I was having uh, with with the show of of imagining you know my father in Alan's role and me in Ezra's role, even though I didn't become uh, Orthodox. Um, that. For, from my father's perspective, I might as well had uh, become Orthodox because it's and so I, different from what he right taught you, um, and that and that and you know that that created um, a lot of um, a lot of tension uh, in in our in in our relationship. Um, but you know, I mean, I, it, it could have. It, what I think the show is is saying is that you know our. Um, uh, our, our children invariably are going to make uh, life choices that are different than the ones that we might have otherwise envisioned for them. They're going to turn out differently than we might have otherwise envisioned for them. And so how can we be uh, a parent uh, to our child as they are um, and, uh, and and simultaneously try to fulfill our responsibility as parents to uh, to, to uh, try to encourage them to become, you know, uh, uh, what we hope they might be um, which is not always a negative, right? I mean, that's the dynamic with Sam and his mother is that, you know, she is very accepting of who he is in some ways, even though who he actually has become is a monster. Um, you, you might think that like there should be more alienation between Sam and his mother. For sure. And it's hard to see Sam as a monster because he's so like, calm and cool and collected about what he's done and because he acknowledges he doesn't want to do what he does uh, um or maybe he even in a weird way thinks that it makes what he does okay because he doesn't want to do it he doesn't uh uh get a high from doing it he he's disappointed himself every time he he kills somebody or you know kidnaps them before he kills them that, that sort of thing um you know, what, what I also find so interesting about this dynamic is that Alan is trying to get Sam 
to stop being a serial killer or by showing him that even when somebody sees things differently than you, even if somebody doesn't treat you nicely, all right, there, there are different people in the world who see the world differently. Uh, that doesn't mean the only response should be killing them. Uh, and yet, Alan, obviously, he's not resorting to murder, but he can't accept the fact that his son has chosen this completely different life than that which he would have chosen. Yeah, but you know, I wonder about that though. Is in, and, and we see this in the, uh, I believe it's the eighth episode, right? Alan comes to the realization um, that he has been more understanding of this serial killer than he was of his own son. Um, and and alternatively, um, you see Alan, you know, wrestling with the fantasy of 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 you know finding a way of killing uh, Sam before he gets killed by him, which is, you know, just as likely to happen as any other outcome in, in the show. I hope it doesn't, but it, but it's certainly possible. Um, you know, so you have, uh, number one, the, the, the Jewish, uh, uh, law that if someone comes to kill you, you should rise up to kill them first. Right. And Alan wrestles with that. He like feels that there's, there's gotta be another way. The path to understanding, um, is the way that's going to both save him and save Sam. And what his what what he detests in his son um, is his son's you know uh, way of seeing the world in black and white as as good and evil, right? As uh, you know, you're either you're either you know for God or you're against God. Uh, Ezra says to one point to his mother, right? I don't believe that you have an authentic relationship with Hashem, right? Um, and she obviously has a, a relationship with Hashem. He just doesn't see it as being authentic. So you know, uh, I. I wonder if the show is is saying, you know, that that maybe Alan ought to have had some of the moral conviction that his son ends up having, that he ends up that that alienates him from his son. But really, he ought to be learning from his son, saying like some things are evil, some things that you know you you can't you shouldn't try to um, accept, um, uh, feel compassion toward, or 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 change. You just have to fight. Um, yeah, I, I think he he tries that initially, right? He he tried picking the lock with with a plastic fork. Uh, he wasn't uh, accepting his fate. I think um, he was just realizing that part of his job as a um, as a therapist is to meet people where they were initially. Uh, my my wife, who is a therapist, in the first episode. Um, said he handled the situation with Gene perfectly uh, when he says, I don't think we're either of us are getting anything out of this because uh, you're not being direct. You're beating around the bush. You're not saying what needs to be said. And so this is not benefiting you and it's not benefiting me. She said that was perfect spot on. And then she freaked out when she said, that's exactly what you should do. And as a result, he was kidnapped and, and, and chained uh, to the floor in the guy's basement. Yeah, well, but you know that was a normal therapeutic situation, right? So he was in he was in a uh, 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 an environment that that he as the therapist had control over, right? When he no longer has control over the environment, he relies. This is the you know he he does. You're right. He does try to escape initially, although I would call his attempts at escape somewhat um, half-hearted. Um, uh, and in, in later episodes, you know, as he starts dissociating from uh, this really traumatic experience, he finds himself 
uh, or imagines himself uh, in the in, in his own therapy sessions with his therapist slash teacher slash mentor. I'm not exactly sure, but played by David Allen Greer. These are great dynamics and very revealing. Um, and you know, and and he talks about these fantasies that he has of, of you know picking up the pitcher uh, that he has and smashing it and and you know uh, cutting the jugular of Sam with the shards. And so David Allen Greer says, "Well, well, why aren't you? Why don't you?" Right. And, uh, and Sam says, you know, because I want to stay alive or not Sam, uh, Alan says, because I want to stay alive. Um, and uh, David Allen Greer said, you know, uh, tries to explore that with him and says, you know, um, you're staying alive for the possibility for the very real possibility that this guy's going to kill you on his terms. Right. So why not just uh, like you are n- like, what are the what is the likelihood? Like, imagine the scenarios in which you make it out of this situation alive. Right. Um, and as we're learning, you know, toward toward the end, um, you know, Sam comes to realize that even if he is going to change, right, the 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 therapy, the 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 therapeutic route for his transformation is years in the making, right? He wants he he thinks the therapist is gonna fix him in, in a week, right? Um, but if he's going to be changed in therapy, it's going to take a long, long time, a long process, lengthy process of therapy, which is, as anybody who's ever done therapy knows that that's all, usually how it works, right? Right. He hasn't gamed out the, the reality that like he would have to keep his doctor imprisoned there for years on end uh, in order for any real progress to be made, if any is going to be made at all. And, well, that's because he's, he, he's a sick person, right? Right. He, he's. But Alan also hasn't gamed that out, Right. Well, Alan did though. Alan said at the beginning, Alan said, I am not safe, right? I do not feel safe here and I cannot do therapy. uh, If therapy cannot be successful, if both parties do not feel safe, that was basically him saying you have to free me. But he, right. But he hasn't, right. He hasn't, I think even there, he hasn't fully appreciated the gravity of the situation that he's in. He hasn't gamed out how it's likely to play out because he knows from all his training that if he's going to make any progress with this guy, it's not a matter of weeks. It's a matter of years, you know, at, at, at best. Right. So, um, so, so like he, he has to know, you know, if he, if he stopped to think about it, right. In his heart of hearts that, um, that, that, that there's, 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 that the only exit strategy for him in this scenario is either, Alan gets killed or Sam gets killed or Alan gets killed. Sure. Um, and I think he's, he, he is trying to avoid doing anything to get himself killed, which is why a- Alan is, keeps going along with it such as it is uh, for the time being. I do think that there's also this dynamic, right? As rabbis, we are often asked to play therapists uh, when we are not trained mental health professionals. Um, I think Alan acknowledges that if you are not, if the situation is not right, you can't do it properly. Right. Part of my job is, is to help congregants who are looking for therapy to come to terms with the fact that uh, a rabbi cannot be an excuse for a therapist and that they uh, I, I'm here to help find the right th- therapist for them or, or their family member. Uh, it's clear that Alan is saying, listen, this is not the right setup for successful therapy. At least he says that originally. I do find it interesting that Sam, uh, who is not Jewish, says, I, I interviewed three Jewish therapists and you were the best one. And he sort of sought out a Jewish therapist. Maybe it was his own sort of subconscious anti-Semitism, assuming that if I want a good therapist, it has to be a Jew. Yeah, I mean that 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 line definitely stuck out to me, and the 
the show really does play with um uh with with the you know anti-semitic uh um uh stereotypes stereotypes and through line of, of the dynamic between alan and and sam so alan you know begins to imagine himself um as a, a prisoner in a concentration camp and a death camp um and uh and and it really evokes the question of um of of whether you know somebody who is uh, capable of perpetrating the kind of evil of the Nazis, right? If, 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 you know, human monsters can be rehabilitated and to what extent um, is it uh, um, necessary and appropriate for the victims of those atrocities to be participants in that re rehabilitation, right? So it's like the classic, you know, uh, question in, in Simon Wiesenthal's The Sunflower, right? Um, you know, uh, uh, can Nazis be forgiven? Can they be rehabilitated? And if so, um, uh, how do they do that? Who can forgive? Who can forgive the Nazis? Well, that also really speaks to right, which I think appropriate is for this season as we just completed the holidays. Uh, is everybody capable of tshuva? Right. Uh, I, Sam acknowledges what he's doing is wrong, so that that's a part of the tshuva process. Um, but he can't stop doing it, right? Part of tshuva is knowing what you're doing is wrong. How does he move on from that and and, and not do it? Rambam said that true tshuva is when you are put in the same situation a, a second time and you do things differently that second time around. Um, is true tshuva possible for somebody who has done such grotesque, unthinkable things? I like to believe it is. Uh, but for those who are victims or those who have been so hurt uh, by such predators and, and such, um, um, in this case, murderers, they may not see tshuva as possible. Well, but it also raises the question of, you know, Rambam uh, presupposes moral choice, right, in, in, in the system of tshuva, right? So, you know, so that you, 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 uh, he uses usually the example of somebody who, you know, commits some kind of act of sexual impropriety. And says, you know, you've, you, you, you've done this thing before, then you do tshuva, and you know you've done real tshuva if you have the same scenario arise for you again, you have the capability of per perpetrating the same act, but choose not to do it, make a different choice, right? But um, I, the, the, the show raises the question of the extent to which Sam is actually choosing to uh to perpetrate these behaviors right he's he's not choosing to he's certainly making a choice to try not to right he, he's trying he's, he's trying to engage in in a therapeutic process that that gets him to break these compulsive behaviors but these are compulsive behaviors right they're they're he's he's killing people um habitually right he he, he seems he, he he speaks about being unable to control the impulse to to kill somebody right it's not like he is uh, at least the show is, is suggesting that he is not making a deliberate and conscious choice to perpetrate, you know, these heinous acts in, in, in any meaningful sense of the word choice. And so, you know, and, and, and that raises a really profound moral question. I mean, take it out of the realm of murder for a second, but like, you know, lots of behaviors that we might tend to engage in, um, not always fully consciously. Right. Um, and therefore, right stopping to do those behaviors is not only a matter of 
uh, of conscious choice and, and willpower. Correct. Um, Chuva is not just about knowing what you're doing is wrong. I think that's a big step, but it's about being willing to change who you are. Um, that that's that's the biggest challenge. Is it uh, is it possible, Jesse? I, I believe so. Uh, Chuva is about the person. It's not whether about society forgives you. Um, on the high holidays, uh, on Kol Nidre, I spoke about criminal justice and mass incarceration uh, and how um, our justice system makes chuva near impossible um, with the uh, rates of recidivism, or with, with, with the, the, the way that uh, over 100,000 people in this country are wrongfully convicted and kept behind bars for over a decade, um, with the um, rate that the Innocence Project shows of uh, black and brown Americans, uh, seven times more likely to be accused of murder, 12 times more likely to be accused of a drug-related crime th th than white Americans. Um, we assume and place blame on people uh, so that even when people have done wrong and want to do chuva, we have associated them with guilt already, even if they are not guilty. I think such chuva is possible. And what we also learn with the chuva process, you turn to somebody who you've wronged three times and ask for forgiveness. If they haven't forgiven you after three times, that's not on you, that's on them. Uh, part of chuva is those who are, um, th those who are wronged and those who are victims being forgiven. But even when that doesn't happen, uh, even when they are, are, are not forgiven, the chuva process is complete. Somebody has committed to changing and has changed their ways. Uh, that's different from the, the, the guilt or, or rather the anger and that now we have in our stomach, that grudge that we feel towards somebody and letting go of that, that may never happen. But I do think that real chuva is possible, even with the most heinous of crimes. I, I, I like to believe that everybody has the potential to change. And, and is that true even for crimes like murder that uh, where where you know forgiveness is not at least by the victim is not really possible? I, I think in an ideal society, a Department of Corrections is supposed to correct somebody, right? It's supposed to rehabilitate somebody. We do see that with people who have murdered, and uh, they they uh, their their lot is cast in life, um, and, and they were only introduced to a life of crime from a young age. Um, and they they go to prison and they graduate college and, and right and they dedicate their life to something better, to something greater. That's different than somebody like Sam, who's a serial killer, right? Who, who that that that's a very different reality. Yeah, although the show, you know, I think, uh, and I'm not, I, I, don't get me wrong, I'm, gonna, you know, I'm not excusing uh, uh, Sam's behavior, you know, it were to take place in real life in any way, shape or form. But I think the show is, uh, you know, suggesting a, a, a scenario where somebody is, you know, um, shaped by some extraordinary childhood traumas, um, you know, is raised in an environment that all but guarantees, you know, they're going to have some kind of uh, sociopathy uh, or psychopathy uh, uh, later on in life, that they're going to, you know, turn to antisocial behaviors, whatever those behaviors are, right? Whether it's whether it's uh, violent crime, whether it's drug use, whatever it is, right? That um, and and say, okay, you know, um, to what extent are we, um, uh, in, you know, invariably shaped 
by our uh, by by our upbringing um, and are therefore um, you know therefore ought to be uh, dealt a measure of grace because you know like like it uh, um, like Robin Williams keeps saying to Will Hunting uh, in uh, in Good Will Hunting right it's not your fault right um, uh, and you know so you could say that to Sam right like it's it's not your fault that you became the psychopath that you became. Um, and yet, right. Uh, on what level are we saying, but you're still, but you're still committing all these murders and every new murder that you commit is your fault. Well, sure. Right. He is, he is mentally ill, right. I, I have to believe that, that every, uh, serial killer is mentally ill. Um, that being said, uh, I think that there's possibility, uh, for some change, even if he cannot be changed completely, we can each strive to be the best versions of ourselves, um, and, and I think that is what he acknowledges. That's what he's trying to do, um, even uh, as a serial killer. And we, and we don't know whether the show will end. Um, will the show end that Alan is killed? Will the show end that he, Sam changes his ways? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Mike, where, where do you think the show will go? Whew. Um, really hard to say. Um, I think that uh, somebody, some main character is going to die. <laughs> not sure which one but one, one of the two of them will die i think so that that is the only think? direction um i i don't know i i think um alan is going to die i think so much of what he's dealing with is his own grief with the loss of his wife and i think that that is mirroring his own journey to, to death it's sort of foreshadowing that but that's just me from a storytelling perspective uh, not that I want that to happen. I just don't see how he gets out and everything ends up being okay. It's impossible, right? Right? right. He he's he's traumatized uh, for life and will suffer from PTSD if he does survive. Yeah, um, I I agree, and I and I think that that is a, a thread of the show too of of uh, of, of how you know this experience, uh, uh, what Alan has experienced is is, um, is framed in his own processing of grief, how he's, you know, uh, in some ways, like trying to uh, save Sam um, uh, because he wasn't able to save his son in the way that, uh, that, that he would have wanted to save him. And that, you know, he's trying to save the grief of Sam's mother um, because he doesn't want his mother to have to endure what his wife went through in, in uh, the rejection of, of, of his son. So there's, yep. there's a really, really uh, complex, uh, nuanced and, and deep show. I mean, a lot to unpack here. Well, uh, listeners, let us know what you think. And uh, when you watch the finale, share your thoughts with us as well. Um, be sure to listen to this and all episodes of Pop Torah by subscribing, uh, giving us a, a rate and review. It always helps out the pod. Uh, and until next time, I am Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. And I'm Rabbi Michael Knopf. Take care and please do not take either of us hostage.